Greetings, this is Arvette McLean with Speak, The Universe Listens. As a very young person, I always felt that I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders, having to make grown-up decisions in order to survive a life marked by physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. While my face was smiling on the outside, on the inside I was secretly crying and miserable. However, over the years, I learned some gems that helped to turn my life around. I now get to live the life of my dreams, filled with love, travel, and wonderment. And I am absolutely passionate about sharing what I have learned with you. If you want to live your best life, tune in each week as I, along with some awesome guests, share these life-changing gems with you. Inspired to be more, do more, have more. Greetings and welcome to our show. Today's topic is the homeless man. And today we are welcoming back to the studio, Cheryl Rhodes. Um, you've been so phenomenal, <laughs> just a light in the studio. And so she's back with us today. Um, and she is an intuitive healer and a spiritual counselor and just a wonderful woman to really get to know. Thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> Blessings to you. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah. I'm so excited to be with you again and I can say all the same things about you. Thank you. You're an absolute blessing. That. I thank you for all that you do mm -hmm. and for all that you represent. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that very much. Okay, so today, Cheryl is actually going to share with us the story about a homeless man and she's going to be writing a book about this and this story embodies so many lessons um, that I just thought to share it with us today would be a nice thing to do. Okay. So if you can share that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the homeless man is a story about, um, it's a true story. It's a personal story. And it's about a man that I met um, over 20 years ago. So uh, over 20 years ago, I met or I encountered um, a man sleeping in my mother's yard. Uh, I was with my children that morning, and so I was a little fearful. I didn't want to disturb him, but he was um, just lying in my mother's yard near her door. He was covered with coats and um, I did not want to disturb him, so I made the children sit in the car, and I went to my mother's doorstep, and I knocked very lightly, and when she opened the door, I asked her to look in that direction, and she saw him, and she started scolding him immediately. She immediately recognized him and um, shooed him away, and um, he stood up and called me daughter. And it was a very profound moment. Have you ever had those moments in life where it seems like time stands still? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can look back at that moment and it's just so big. Um, this was one of those moments. This man stood up. He was very groggy. Um, he stumbled a little bit. But he looked at me and he called me daughter and he walked away, he stumbled away. 
and um, that was my first encounter with this homeless man. My second encounter was visiting my mother again. Um, I went to stop at a little convenience store near her home and um, my mother was with me in the car and my three children were with me. At that time they were 10, 5, and about 4 months old. And we went into the store and the homeless man was coming out of the store. As I went in, I went in. I had the kids sit outside. And um, he said, daughter, what are you doing here? And I was just <laughs> taken aback by the fact that this man kept calling me daughter. I also remembered there were previous times when I would be driving past that store or driving near that area. And I remember distinctly someone yelling and waving, daughter, daughter. And I never knew who they were talking to. I didn't know who that was. So in that moment, I realized that it had been him and I recognized him. Um, he had a handful of snacks and he did something that was so compassionate. Here he is a homeless man and I'm sure he was hungry. He took his snacks back into the store and asked if he could exchange them for ice cream for my children. And I tried not to allow him to do this and he insisted on doing this and um, so he bought ice cream for the kids and he came and stood by the truck while they were eating their ice cream and my mother was not very nice to him <laughs> and I can remember her scolding him scolding him for touching the baby don't you touch the baby's hands and she was just really really upset um, and so when you know later on when I asked her you know why are you so so mean to him and she would say you don't know him you know you have no idea he hangs around here and he he's drinking all the time you want to help him but when you give him money he just goes and he buys alcohol and he gets drunk and he hangs out here and so it was probably about a week maybe a week of knowing of this person before I got a phone call from my mother saying that he had been hospitalized and was not in a very good space um, was actually um, the doctor was not anticipating that he would do well that he would even survive this procedure that he had to undergo and so he was asking for his next of kin and he had somehow gotten a local pastor to contact my mother and asked to see my mom and his daughter so when I met the pastor and the doctor they thought I was his daughter and let me pause for a second so what made you want to respond to this call there was something inside of me that was very intrigued um, it wasn't just the fact that he was calling me daughter it was also how my children responded to him. I remember the first time that we encountered him, they were crying in the car when we drove off, silently. Um, and I was silently crying while driving. So something about him had touched our hearts.
and I couldn't really understand it. I couldn't really explain it. Um, but uh, my mother was not a fan at all. Let me be clear. She was not a fan. And it took me some time to understand why she had treated him in that way. So I'll share that a little later. So um, he ends up having this procedure and they call us in and we just stood around his bed and we prayed before the night before the procedure. The doctor told us that he was not expecting him to make it through the procedure. Um, just his health at that time was very poor and the fact that he had been homeless for so many years, he was just really not in a good space. Um, and so there was a lot of fear. Um, I didn't know if, you know, introducing my children to this homeless person whom I did not know would benefit. I was thinking how, you know, I, when I thought about introducing death to my children, I never planned on it being someone I didn't know. Um, so some fears rose within me, but more than my fear, there was just an insatiable desire to help this man. And so we prayed. And after the prayer, we went home. And the next day, we were contacted by the doctor to come to the hospital to see him, that he was awake and he was doing well. And when we went in, the doctor said, um, that he couldn't explain. He said, I don't even have the words to explain what has happened other than it was a miracle. And he said that when he opened him up, he had the liver and kidneys of a 20 year old. This was someone who had been a severe alcoholic for over 20 years. And so, um, his body was very dependent on alcohol, and so the doctor was pretty sure of what he was going to see. And he was very shocked to see his entrails in such good condition. And he said, all I can attest it to is it being a miracle. So after that, um, we stayed in contact with him, and for the next few weeks, um, we would go and visit him, my children and myself. Sometimes I would bring my mom along but sometimes the kids would ask mm -hmm. to go and visit and so we went to visit him a few times and then it was time for him to be discharged from the hospital and the doctor said uh, I will need an address <laughs> to release you <laughs> which he did not have and so this pastor friend whom was just a friend he had met at the hospital um, asked my mother if this man could come and live with her for just a couple of weeks because he had a property that he was working on um, that he could live in but for the next couple of weeks this property would need some work and my mother was very adamant there is no way this stranger is coming home with me I do not know him I am a Christian woman what kind of woman do you think I am and I said you're a Christian woman mother you just said it and she was looking at me like you know, whose side are you on here? You know, uh, you just want me to just have this man I don't know, this strange person come and live with me. And there was just a part of me saying, 
yes, yes, I do. <laughs> you know? Yes, I do, Mom. Um, so, you know, we, we did it. You know, we did it. She agreed to it very, very reluctantly. But he went to live with my mom. And um, for the next couple of weeks, um, he was recovering from surgery and also detoxing. And it was a very, very difficult process. And my mother was there to help him through that process. And so over the time, and the two weeks turned into two months, because there were complications with this home, um, I watched their relationship grow. And I watched her become um, more than just a nurse to him. I, I, I saw her heart growing. Okay. I saw her becoming very um, compassionate about helping him and wanting to take care of him. And um, it was a beautiful, beautiful process to see. Long story short, over the next year, uh, he ended up moving out. He got a job. He started to work. And they kept in touch. And um, my sister reported to me that they were dating. <laughs> I said, dating? She said, yes, they're dating. They go on dates. <laughs> so, you know, it was um, really interesting to watch, mm -hmm. you know, really interesting to watch. And then one night I had a dream. And in this dream, I, I saw him propose to my mother. And so... I immediately woke my husband up and said, oh my God, guess what I just dreamed, you know? And he said, oh, that was just a dream, you know. Don't, 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 your mother will freak out. She will freak out, you know? And I said, oh yeah, you're right, you know? And so at Thanksgiving that year, um, he asked to meet with my husband and myself privately. And he asked for her hand in marriage and um, he said, both of her parents are deceased and you're her closest relative. So I'm asking you for her hand in marriage. And, um, oh gosh, I can't even begin to describe what I was feeling on the inside, but I, it was just a story of healing for he and for she, because what I realized was that her father had been an alcoholic and there was a wounded child inside of her. And so within her, she had built this wall. And within her, there was such disdain for whom her father had been and for how he had neglected the family because of his choices. And so he triggered all of that. He triggered all of that. But at the same time, helping him to heal helping him to grow, helping him to get past needing alcohol. Part of her was helping her father. And so she was healing as well. So not only was she there to help him, he was very much there to help her. And then my mother called me in the middle of the night and she said, oh my gosh, I had a dream. <laughs> I said, what did you dream? And she very reluctantly shared with me that she heard God's voice say, I've cleaned this man up for you.
and she was a little bit devastated. And I suspect at that time she was a little bit falling in love too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so she asked how I felt and I said, I already knew. I've been waiting. And she said, what? What do you mean? Do you mean I should, uh, if this happens, that I should do this? Well, absolutely. I mean, you heard the voice. Exactly. You heard the voice, right? You woke me up at 3 a.m. to say you heard God's voice. And now you're asking me how you should respond right. to God's voice? <laughs> I don't know if I would give you this much authority. You're asking me. So what are you going to do? And she said, I, I just, I can't even, I can't even think about that right now, she said. And so we hung up. And as time went on, they just grew closer and closer. And then we arrived at Christmas time. And on Christmas Day, he summoned everyone to the room. And he had placed this beautiful ornament on the tree. And it was the exact same ornament that I had seen in my dream, which was a golden, a golden ornament. It was just a crystal Christmas ball that opened up with a red velvet interior. And there was a heart-shaped diamond ring inside that he had been working and saving up his money. And he managed to somehow get down on one knee. <laughs> and he proposed to my mother. And so this story always invokes so many lessons. And their story together is one of great healing and great compassion and also kindness, you know. Sometimes I think we just forget to be kind. We get so busy and so caught up. And I remember being, you know, a young mother of three, very busy at that time. But something compelled me to just be kind to this man. Just be kind. Um, I could see his love for her. I could see his love for my children. I could see his love for me. He, he, he called me daughter. When my mother would say, stop calling my daughter daughter. She is not your daughter. And he continued to do it anyway. He continued. You know, he had a way with her that no one else did. And that, you know, that way that she had was a, a protective mechanism. That was how she would choose to protect herself. And so he had a way to, to pierce that barrier, you know. And so watching the two of them together was very beautiful and very intimate. And so I'm writing their story because not only is it beautiful, it just teaches so many lessons, so many lessons that we all can learn from. Yeah. And you also shared a part with me about um, his ability to drive. Absolutely. So after uh, the proposal, shortly after that, uh, we began to you know, slowly speak to him about his life how he had arrived at this situation. We never pushed him to share that information. Um, it's, it was never a decision that I made. It just sort of happened that way, that we never really pushed him. We all had questions, but we never would ask. We, w we allowed him to heal and share things with us when he was ready. And so we arrived at a point where he was willingly sharing 
who he was, who he had been, and he shared with us that he had lost his license many years ago due to drunk driving. And my husband asked him, well, you know, how much are your fines? And he said, oh, they're just, they're, it's just too much. They're, they're way too expensive and, you know, that's why I don't drive anymore because, you know, I've, I never could afford, I never had money, so I never could afford to pay these fines. And my husband said, well, you're working now. He said, well, they're still, they're just so much. I mean, how could I ever save up enough money or how could I ever get them paid off? And he said, well, how much are they? I don't know, but I just know it's a lot. I just know it's a lot. And it was, it was almost like he was trying to dismiss it. He, he didn't want to discuss it anymore. But my husband would not let it rest. And he said, well, I'm going to call DMV. I'm going to find out. So he did. He called DMV. And I just remember him on the phone with someone saying, so you're telling me that this is the total sum of this man's fees and that once he pays these fees, he can have his license reinstated. Okay, thank you very much. And he hung up and he said, come on, let's go. We're going to DMV. I'm going to pay your $35 fees so that you can get your license reinstated. And he said, what? $35? And my mouth was just open. Mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't believe that $35 had hindered him all these years. And so there had been a point in his life where he knew that fee amount. But at that time, $35, that was a lot. And he had perceived that he just couldn't pay that and therefore imprisoning himself. And so in that moment, he taught us all a great lesson. The perceptions of the mind are very powerful and they can either imprison us or set us free. And in that moment, he was freed. And so they went off to DMV and they returned with the guy with a big cheesy grin mm -hmm. and a license. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. this, this story, I just love this story. Um, it's a long story for this type of a show, um, but it has so many lessons in it, I think. And um, just from your mother and her own imprisonment. Yes. Herself, mm -hmm. and, and your now stepfather. Yes. And how he imprisoned himself, but just really how we do this with our thoughts every we do. day. We live in a cell. We do, we <laughs> do. It, it's self-imposed. Um, Absolutely. In the sense that at any time we can choose to come out. At any time, yeah. at any time. And the thing is, we are often given keys to that cell and we choose not to use the key. Can you imagine? being in a cell and having the key and choosing not to use it. Our choices, our decisions are so powerful. And so many times we choose. If my husband had not pushed 
him. He would have chosen not to go to DMV. There was such a fear in him. He would have chosen because he had already become complacent and he was settling for his life. He had accepted this and there was no going forward. Had he not pushed him, he would still not be driving today. And then that's a whole another important point, just the power of having a community, people that love you, people who will uplift you, um, being very careful in the decisions that you're making, the choices that you're making, and realizing that in every single moment, you are making a choice. And in every single moment, you can choose something different. In every single moment, you can choose to be around people who uplift you, people who love you, people who would support you, um, and people who would help you yes. to change your life. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In every moment, mm -hmm. we have these choices, mm -hmm. and it's completely up to us. And it's very important to be aware that we have these choices. It's very important to pay attention to the choices that we make. Even our thoughts are choices. We can choose to think a certain way, or we can choose not to. We can choose to replace the thought. We can choose to fill balloons with thoughts and pop them and let them go. That's our choice. You know, and it's a very, very powerful choice. I truly believe that at some point in our existence, we encounter a space where we're shown all the keys that we were given and what our choices were. And so I try to live my life daily without regret. I don't ever want to look back and say, wow, I had it right there. <laughs> and all I had to do was stick it in and turn it. Mm -hmm. I never want to feel that. Mm -hmm. I always want to know that when given the key, I use it, mm -hmm. I turn it, I open and see what the possibilities are, see what the opportunities are. And that's something that I am very passionate about sharing with others as well. Sometimes it's really difficult for us to see keys. You know, if they're not in our awareness, if, if you're just seeing the bars, mm -hmm. you don't even see. Just look right there. There are the keys. And that's why it's so important that we, um, I guess, dream. We have a vision for ourselves for something beyond what our current reality is. It's so important to project yourself to where you yeah. want to be, to what you would love in life. Project yourself there and everything else, those bars will move yes. by the way. Because it is all right here for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it was Les Brown who said that most people don't aim too high in life and miss. They aim too low and hit it dead on. Mm. Yeah. That's what most of us do. We just see ourselves in a very limited way. And so if we could imagine, just imagine imagination. It's a very powerful key. One of the most powerful keys we've been given in this universe is our imagination. And if we would utilize that key properly, 
we could free ourselves from limitless, limitless oppression. We could free and heal this entire world if each of us would take advantage of just our imagination, just our imagination. So this story brings so many lessons and so much healing and so much love. And so that's why I feel that it's so important to share it with the world. And every time I say to them that I'm writing their story, they say, really? Why? You know, sometimes you're just so close to the situation, you don't even realize how powerful it is, you know. But it's a very powerful story. When I tell the whole story, quite often, the entire room is in tears. Yeah, because it's very compelling. And it also touches some heartstrings. Yes, it does. It really does. Yeah, it's almost sometimes I feel as if when I'm telling this story that I'm, you know, <laughs> strumming heart, yeah. an, an instrument, right? Exactly. And this instrument is, you know, connected to your heart. Mm -hmm. And so when I pull on these strings, I'm pulling on heartstrings. And people are always affected very differently. Sometimes people notice very tiny little things. I remember sharing this story with my students years ago, and they were in tears. They were in tears. I remember a young lady coming back to my classroom saying, and he was homeless. He was really on the streets and looking for food and didn't have food. And your mom just, she didn't know him, and she, she made him food. I said, yeah, she made him food. She made him the best peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the world, so he says. You know, just that kindness sometimes is a key that we can use. Just being kind. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. Thank you. And it, it really was heartfelt, and um, I'm glad you shared it again with me because I learned even more from hearing it the second time mm -hmm. around. So thank you for joining us, and um, we will share Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me again. And I can be reached at my email address, which is CherylRhodes at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-R-L-R-H-O-A-D-E-S at gmail. So we will be looking for that book to come out. We can't wait to I'm see so it. excited to finish. Yes. I'm so excited. It's going to be amazing. Okay. So until next time, this is our bad. And don't forget to like us and also hit the subscribe button. See you next week.